Good afternoon, hello, 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 and welcome, welcome back to chapter 20 of Five Go to Smuggler's Top. Oh my goodness me. Now, what happened yesterday? Well, Mr. Barling tried to make a deal with Uncle Quentin, didn't he? And he tore the paper up into little pieces and threw it on the floor. So, now we'll find out what happens next. Chapter 20 is called Timmy to the Rescue. Mr Barling went very pale. Sooty gave a loud shout of delight. Hurrah! Good for you, Uncle Quentin! Block gave a loud explanation and darted to the excited boy. He took him by the shoulder and raised the rope to hit him. That's right, said Mr Barling in a funny kind of hissing voice. Deal with him first, Block, and then with this, this stubborn, obstinate fool. We'll soon bring them to their senses. A good thrashing now and again. A few days here in the dark without any food. Ha, ha, ha. Yes, that will make them more biddable. Sooty yelled at the top of his voice. Uncle Quentin leapt to his feet. The rope came down and Sooty yelled again. Then there suddenly came the pattering of quick feet and something flung itself on block. Block gave a scream of pain and turned. He knocked the lantern over by accident and the light went out. There was a sound of fierce growling. Block staggered about trying to keep off the creature that had fastened himself, itself onto him. Barling, help me, he shouted. Mr Barling went to his aid but was attacked in his turn. Uncle Quentin and Sooty listened in amazement and fear. What creature was this that had suddenly arrived, and would it attack them next? Was it a giant rat, or some fierce wild animal that haunted these tunnels? The fierce animal suddenly barked. Sooty cheered. Timmy! It's you, Timmy! Oh, good dog, good dog! Go for him, then! Go for him! Bite him! Bite him hard, Timmy! The two frightened men could do nothing against the angry dog. Soon they were running down the tunnel as fast as they could go, feeling for the string for fear of being lost. Old Timmy chased them with much enjoyment and then returned to Sooty and George's father, rather pleased with himself. He had a tremendous welcome. George's father made a great fuss of him and Sooty put his arms around the big dog's neck. How did you come here? Did you find your way out of the secret passage you've been in? Oh, are you half starved? Look, here's some food. Timmy ate it heartily. He had managed to devour a few rats, but otherwise had had no food at all. He had licked the drops here and there that he had found dripping from the roof, so he had not been thirsty, but he had certainly been extremely puzzled and worried. He had never been before been so long away from his beloved mistress. 
Uncle Quentin, Timmy could take us safely back to Smuggler's Top, couldn't he? Said Sooty suddenly. He spoke to Timmy. Can you take us home, old boy? Home to George? Timmy listened with his ears cocked up. He ran down the passage a little way, uh, but soon came back. He did not like the idea of going down there. He felt that enemies were waiting for them all. Mr. Barling and Block were not likely to give in quite so easily. But Timmy knew other ways about the tunnels that honeycombed the hillside. He knew, for instance, the way down to the marsh. So he set off in the darkness with Uncle Quentin's hand on his collar and Sooty following close behind, holding on to Uncle Quentin's coat. It wasn't easy or pleasant, and Uncle Quentin wondered at times if Timmy really did know where they were going. They went down and down, stumbling over uneven places, sometimes knocking their heads against an unexpected low piece of roof. It was not a pleasant journey for Uncle Quentin, for he had no shoes on his feet and was only dressed in pyjamas and rugs. After a long time, they came out on the edge of the marsh itself, at the bottom of the hill. It was a desolate place and the mists were over it, so that neither Sooty nor Uncle Quentin knew which way to turn. Never mind, said Sooty, we can easily leave it to Timmy. He knows the way all right. He'll take us back to the town and once there, we'll know the way home ourselves. But suddenly... To their surprise and dismay, Timmy stopped dead, pricking up his ears, whined and would go no further. He looked thoroughly miserable and unhappy. What could be the matter? Then, with a bark, the big dog left the two by themselves and galloped back into the tunnel they had just left. He disappeared completely. Timmy! yelled Sooty. Timmy, come here! Don't leave us! Timmy! But Timmy was gone. Neither Sooty nor Uncle Quentin knew why. They stared at each other. Well, I suppose we'd better try to make our way over this marshy bit, said Uncle Quentin doubtfully, putting a foot out to see if the ground was hard. It wasn't. He drew back his foot at once. The mists were so thick that it was really impossible to see anything. Behind them was the opening to the tunnel. A steepy rock, rocky cliff rose up about it. There was no path that way, it was certain. Somehow they had to make their way around the foot of the hill to the main road that entered the town. But the way lay over marshy ground. Let's sit down and wait for a bit to see if Timmy comes back, said Sooty. So they sat down on a rock at the entrance to the tunnel and waited. Sooty began to think of the others. He wondered what they'd thought when they discovered that both he and Uncle Quentin were missing. How astonished they must have been. I wonder what the others are doing, he said aloud. I'd love to know. The others, as we know, had been doing plenty. 
They had found the opening in the window seat where Mr. Barling had taken the captives and they'd gone down it and actually seen Mr. Barling and Block on their way to talk to Uncle Quentin and Sooty. They had found out too that Block hadn't been in his bed. He'd left a dummy there instead. Now everyone was talking at once and Mr. Lenoir was suddenly convinced that Block had been a spy put in his house by Mr. Barling and not the good servant he had appeared. Once Julian felt that he was convinced of this, he spoke to him more freely and told him of the way through the window seat and of how they had seen Mr. Barling and Block that very day in the underground tunnels. Good heavens, said Mr. Lenoir, now looking thoroughly alarmed. Barling must be mad. I've always thought he was a bit strange, but he, he must be absolutely mad to kidnap people like this. And Block must be too. This is a plot. They've heard what I've been planning with your uncle and they've made up their minds to stop it because it will interfere with their smuggling. Goodness knows what they'll do now. This is serious. If only we had Timmy, suddenly said George. Mr Lenoir looked astonished. Who's Timmy? Oh, well, you might as well know everything now, said Julian. And he told Mr Lenoir about Timmy and how they had hidden him. Very foolish of you, said Mr Lenoir shortly, looking displeased. If you'd told me, I would have had someone in the town look after him. I can't help not liking dogs. I detest them and never will have them in the house. But I would have willingly arranged for him to be boarded out if I'd known you children had brought him. The children felt sorry and a little ashamed. Mr Lenoir was an odd, hot-tempered person, but he didn't seem nearly as horrid as they had thought he was. I'd like to go and see if I can find Timmy, said George. You'll get the police in now, I suppose, Mr Lenoir, and perhaps we could go and find Timmy. We know the way into the secret passage from your study. Oh, so that's why you were hiding there in the afternoon yesterday, said Mr Lenoir. I thought you were just being a very bad boy. Well, go and try and find him if you like. But don't let him come anywhere near me. I really cannot bear dogs in the house. He went to telephone the police station again. Mrs Lenoir, her eyes red with crying, stood by him. George slipped away to the study, followed by Dick and Julian and Anne. Mary Bell stayed beside her mother. Come on, let's get into that secret passage and try and find old Timmy, said George. If we all go and whistle and shout and call, he's sure to hear us. They found the way into the passage by doing the things they had done before. The panel slid back and then another, larger opening came as before. They all squeezed through it and found themselves in the very narrow passage that led from the study up to Sooty's bedroom. But Timmy was not there. The children were surprised, but George soon thought why. 
Do you remember Sooty telling us there was a way into this passage from the dining room, as well as from the study in Sooty's bedroom? Well, I believe I saw a door or something there as we passed where the dining room must be, and it's likely Timmy may have pushed through it and gone into another passage somewhere. They went back one by one. They came to the dining room, or rather, they walked behind the dining room wall. They saw the door there that George had noticed as they passed, a door small and set quite flat to the wall so that it was difficult to see. George pushed it. It opened easily and then flapped shut with a little click. It could be opened from one side, but not the other. That's where Timmy's gone, said George, and she pushed the door open again. He pushed against the door and it opened. He went through and the door fastened itself so that he couldn't get back. Come on, we must find him. They all went through the small door. It was so low that they had to bend their heads to go through, even Anne. They found themselves in a passage rather like the one they had just left, but not quite so narrow. It suddenly began to go downwards. Julian called back to the others. I believe it goes down to the passages where we used to take Timmy when we let him down into that pit to go for a walk. Yes, look, we've come to where the pit itself is. They went on calling Timmy and whistling loudly, but no Timmy came. George began to feel worried. Oh, surely this is where we came out when we climbed down all those steps from the window seat passage, said Dick suddenly. Yes, it is. Look, there's the tunnel where we saw Black Block and Mr Barling going. Oh, do you think they've done something to Timmy, said George in a frightened voice. I never thought of that. Everyone felt alarmed. Mm, it was strange that Block and Mr Barling could go about unmolested by Timmy if Timmy was somewhere near. Oh, could they have harmed him in any way? They had no idea that Timmy was at that very minute with George's father and Sooty. Look at this, said Julian suddenly, and he shone his torch onto something to show the others. String, string going right down this tunnel. Why? It's the tunnel that Mr Barling and Block took, said George. I believe it leads to where they've taken my father and Sooty. They're keeping them prisoners down here. I'm going to follow the string and find them. Who's coming with me? Well, tomorrow I'll find out who did go with her. Hmm. And what they find at the end of the string. And... Also, what happens to Uncle Quentin and Sooty when they're just sitting out there because they can't go anywhere because of the marshes? Oh my goodness, so many things to find out and wait for. Well, come back tomorrow <laughs> and we'll find out all the answers. So, hey, until then.
make sure you have a great day and make sure you take care and stay safe. See you tomorrow. Bye for now.